You're listening to the Design Engineering Podcast, where we explore topics important to Canada's mechanical engineers, product designers, and machine builders. I'm Mike McLeod, editor of Design Engineering Magazine, and in this episode, I talk with Catherine Pomeroy, an automation project manager with process automation design and integration firm at Chemium Toronto. During the interview, Catherine delves into the value of process simulation. In essence, this is a digital visualization of how a process manufacturing system will work so that end users can hammer out details and make key decisions before the design and commissioning stages. Before that, a word from this episode's sponsor, IGUS Canada. Gantry robots by IGUS provide rapid ROI, cost up to 40% less than traditional solutions, and can be programmed with the company's free robot control software. IGUS gantries are uniquely equipped with self-lubricating plastic liners for clean, quiet, lightweight, corrosion-free, and maintenance-free operation. The company offers unparalleled support for your application design process with free online tools. For more information, visit igus.ca. That's igus.ca. Hi, Catherine. Welcome to the Design Engineering Podcast. Thanks for talking with me today. No problem. Could you take just a a minute or two and introduce yourself and who you work for and what you do there? Certainly. Uh, My name is Catherine Pomeroy and I work for Actinium Toronto. Uh, We're an integration company based obviously in Toronto and we work with manufacturing companies and we we make automation work. We make it possible that when somebody presses the go button, it fills, fixes, heats, uh, and when they hit stop, it stops. So it's a very partnership-based company with each of our clients. Okay. And your function there is? I'm one of the automation specialists. I'm a project manager as well. And so I work with our, our customers to both do that programming and to manage the project schedule, budget, all of that, and make sure that we meet their requirements. So this is Actimium? Yes. That's how you say it. Okay, Actimium Canada. And it used to... It was McRae Integration? Yeah. Just, so, just for any, any listeners who might know by that name as opposed to... Yeah. We started off as McRae Integration, and we are now part of um, Actinium, which is part of Vinci Energies. And so we we still do the same work. We just do it as part of a bigger network of resources. Yeah. Are there particular projects that you guys or industries that you guys specialize in or... I'm focused mainly on pharmaceutical uh, life sciences projects, but have done from consumer products, food, beer, cheese, whole range of things. And as a whole for a company that's sort of spreading network, whether it's MES, whether it's electrical design, whether it's panel building, we work with a whole range of different industries. And a lot of times expand that through, through word of mouth and our customers, when they're happy with us, if they shift to another company, they might come back and talk to us again. So your specialty or Actimium's specialty is more on the process automation side? It's all, it, a bunch of it's process as my background is chemical engineering, actually, before I came I into programming. But we also have a number of experts in the area of machine safety, in the area of conveyors, material handling. And so uh, it means that we can we can have people that look at a manufacturing process from the, say, raw materials start all the way to packaging lines and getting products out the door onto trucks. Uh, so 
what you wanted to, what we wanted to talk about was the uh, the process simulation thing. Is this something that's relatively new? There have been versions of it that have existed for a while, and there are some niche simulation options out there. But where where it's newer is where we're seeing custom custom simulation that's done at a relatively low cost. So we're not talking really fancy video game esque physics generators. But we're talking about something that allows a client to see uh, relatively quickly what the process they've asked for is going to look like. So it, it allows them to, to clarify fairly early on whether or not what the plan is, is coming together the way they expect it to. And so I'm familiar with like a, like a CFD or an FEA kind of simulation, yeah. even emotion studies kind of simulation. Yeah. But what is, I mean, just for anybody who doesn't no. What is process automation uh, simulation? So what we're the way that the way that we're doing it right now is it means that especially for programs for for systems that are are controlling a for example a pharmaceutical process or a consumer products say say we're making we're making soup and we're gonna we're gonna put liquid into a tank and we're gonna heat it up or we're gonna move material from one tank to another. And there's a user interface that the operators are ultimately going to see. And so all of this code is visible, or the, sorry, the results of the code are visible on the, on the operator screen. We can simulate and take, take video capture of the, the sequence that they've requested. So say, move the soup from tank one to tank two. And then they can make sure that the valves that they expected to open, the flow path they're expecting to require, whether that's uh, happening in the correct order. Maybe they'll lead to a discussion of, no, we're going to need an extra operator prompt because they need to, say, clear a vent filter. Or maybe they need to realize that they, need, they have to add an, an extra ingredient manually at a certain step. If, if we run through the simulation and they determine that, oh, no, that transfer needs to be in two steps, we transfer a certain amount, and then we make a change manually, and then we finish the transfer. Then we can make those changes while we're still in the development stage of the program, rather than the commissioning stage. Changes, changes are always possible, and they're always going to happen in a project. But the sooner we know about them in the project, the less impact or the less cost, the less impact on schedule it's going to have. And so if we can catch those things, or an operator says, well, the the operator prompt that isn't clear enough, or can you add something? We need that to be a yes, no prompt rather than a just okay acknowledgement. Or quality says we need to capture a certain temperature at a certain time. Mm. Uh, by running through these simulations, we can run through the process capturing all of the same data. Granted, it's simulated. It's not a real temperature if we're not connected to the real world yet. But we can be generating those reports or those capture points. And anybody that needs to be involved in the discussion from operators to quality to engineering can do their review early on in the project before things get set in stone and they're, that they're more expensive to change later on. Yeah. So is, is this more of an ergonomic kind of thing? Sort of like we're, we're simulating how people on the line are going to interact with the machine or does it go beyond that? to the actual it, internal workings of the system, irregardless of how people interact with it. 
it's both. And what we're finding is that depending on the project and depending on the customer, it changes to meet their needs. So if we have a customer that is wanting to make sure that the operators that are, that are going to be using the system, that they have a lead role in input to make sure that what is being built meets, that they're going to be happy with it. I see. Um, then having those operators who, who may not be programmers. Yeah. So having, having somebody pull up and say, see, the code looks like this. If somebody's not a programmer, that's not a useful review. Yeah. Um, but similarly, maybe the operators have already been involved or maybe the operators are programmers as well. And, and so they don't maybe need the visual cue the same way or they're involved, but we also have other departments as well that if maybe it's, as I say, quality or validation that says we need to have a report that comes back and has information A, B, and C. We, we want to have temperature trends just to show that as you were doing this, this transfer, that everything stayed within the temperature guidelines over the course of the, temp- or the cost course of the transfer. They too can have their input taken mm-hmm. into account early on in the process rather than the project being done. Everybody's happy. They're through commissioning. We think we're successful. And then somebody takes a look at the report and goes, oh, well, we're missing something. Well, if we caught this early, then it's a lot less work for the folks that are up against a, a time crunch at the end because everybody needs to be, get done in time. But the people doing their, their part of the project, if it doesn't come till the end, then it's really unfortunate if their time gets crunched. Are there particular industries that this is best suited to? Is it, is it something that everybody could benefit from? In general, I, I think it's something that everybody can benefit from. Okay. The, and it's not even exceptions. Places where there's concern if somebody's doing a simulation and thinking that they're going to achieve something from it that's unrealistic. Mm. So if we're, we're working on something that maybe has some, some really weird flow dynamics or some really weird temperature dynamics, and the tuning in the field is where the bulk of the work for that's going to be done then the level of simulation that we're typically doing isn't necessarily going to match that. Um, It could, but then you're spending a whole lot more time on the simulation when they're still going to spend a lot of time in the field. And so that field tuning is most important. Um, The simulation is best used for making decisions about the overall shape, as opposed to thinking that you could do things with simulation and then completely ignore the field testing at the end. The other thing is if... If it's a really simple change, if we're just making a, a small, uh, I don't know, adding one new sensor somewhere, that the process is going to stay the same. It's been running for 10 years. Process isn't going to change. They're just installing something relatively simple. Then nobody's really interested in watching a simulation anyways at that point. And so if nobody's going to watch it, if there's going to be no feed, no v- valuable feedback coming from that review, then there's no point in doing the simulation if nobody's going to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. So when I think of simulation, I think of some a tool that an engineer would use to validate or to run sort of a what if, like an, like an FEA kind of simulation would be, I've designed this thing. Now I want to like do run a spell check, basically. You know what I mean? Did yeah. I, is there something non-intuitive that's going to be a problem? Or I'm, I've got six different thoughts, which one is optimal? Is this more for the client then to get sort of 
Is this to help you tease out the requirements that they didn't know they needed to tell you or they thought? Yes. Okay. Uh, somewhat. And sometimes it's also, there's always, there's always the chance if a specification is written that ultimately something either meets a specification or it doesn't, but you can have different interpretations of how that's going to be delivered, uh, whether a time delay is required, whether the wording needs to be changed, whether there was a typo in the specification. And if if it was programmed exactly as written, and then we established that, no, we actually meant valve 414 rather than 144, it's, it's no big deal to change that when we're just dealing with electrons flowing. It might be a bigger hassle to deal with if there's actually water flowing. I see. Okay. So I imagine for most of these industries, they know the chemical, the sort of um, the process that's going to happen. And they've sort oh, yes. of, they've worked out all of that. Nothing is surprising in that. I mean, there's always a chance for surprises, but okay. in, in most cases, the, the customer is the expert on the process uh, in, in the majority of cases. We may be an expert in, in the automation, but they're, they know their products. They, they may have that knowledge distributed between a team, as in they may be going to R&D for certain questions, they may be going to engineering for certain questions, but we're working to make their vision of what they need their process to do come to life, but they're the experts on their process. I see. And so making these changes later down the road can be particularly, I would imagine for some, it can be particularly problematic because once you sort of agree and sign off on a design, there's probably a bunch of stuff that happens on their end while you're working, actually creating or designing the system such that if you make a change, then they have to redo all their work potentially. And then that just ripples down the whole timeline. Well, and if we're dealing with lots of these types of facilities, the manufacturing line may be, say, fairly linear, and some of them aren't, but say, for, for illustration, but there's likely auxiliary systems, utilities, other, other systems that tie in as well. And so depending on what kind of changes we're talking about, those late stage changes can ripple through other systems, they can ripple through, does quality need to sample? Like do if we're if we need additional, I don't know, water points of use, do we need to have more valves in a certain place? That might change sampling plans, that might mm. change SOPs, that might change training or reports or or what alarms validation needs to make sure get get tested. And so the less the project is introducing a surprise to one of those groups later in the in the project, then generally the the smoother things will go. So do any of these like pharma or oil and gas or or even food and beverage, do they have regulatory or sort of stamp of approval things? Like do they have to submit designs before yeah. they make them? And so um, like you have to recertify them if you change something or I don't know. I'm just thinking yeah. guess. The the process generally works, I mean yes, there are approvals, both internal and external, de- depending on the level of regulation in a in a given industry. The, the approval to move forward with something, the approval to make plans, the approval to do to make changes to a system, initially are more focused on within that company. And by the time you're finished, in general, uh, you have to prove that what you're doing 
or what you've changed to do or what you're going to be doing will meet what you say it's supposed to do and, and meet regulations. And therefore, having something that's well-documented, that's been tested, and you're not having to rewrite specifications and then go back and retest them and revalidate will definitely impact a project. So yeah, the more of these kinds of mistakes or, or unrealized contingencies or problems early on in the process just saves all that much more rework well, it's, later on. Yeah, the, the rework and it's things like, because it's not always about mistakes. I mean, the mistakes are the easy ones to focus on, but also if we're looking at, okay, it's, it's saying a new line or it's changes being made to a process, somebody's going to have to write the maintenance plan. Somebody's going to have to write the SOPs. Somebody's going to have to uh, write the training documents or the safety documents on them. And the sooner they have the framework of what the system or how the system is going to work, the sooner they can schedule that and have flexibility in the scheduling of that rather than somebody having to wait until late in the late in the process and have less flexibility on that scheduling for those documents to be written. So more things can be done in parallel rather than sequentially. Definitely. Yeah. How long does it usually take? I'm sorry, I should have asked. That's that okay. Uh, dep- it's one of those, how long is a piece of string type right. of questions yeah. in that uh, it depends on how big the process is. Sure. And some of this is, sorry, where we got into this in some cases was this is allowing us to test material that we were already testing. Like okay. anybody who's who's doing the programming is going to check their work. We don't we don't want to put something out into the world that we think has issues or or needs correcting. But by putting uh, a visual representation, the the simulation that an operator or a engineer or quality can look at makes it possible for us to not just test it ourselves, but use that time sort of in double duty to make sure that we're happy with it and the receiver is happy with it. It does take a little bit longer, say average project, maybe an extra week or so, to make sure that the video that's going out, you're extra, extra happy with. It's no mm-hmm. different from if, if you write a document yourself and it's only for your own notes that you might look at it and go, okay, well, I know what I was going to say, but if I'm going to send it out for somebody else, I'm going to make sure that the wording is just right. <laughs> um, if I if I test something internally and have, I don't know, we're especially through the last two years, if we're if we're working remotely and you have a fire alarm that goes off halfway through your recording. Well, if you're sending it to a customer, you're going to restart that recording and make sure that you're not including the fire alarm with it. Right. If I'm doing it for just myself, I can hear the fire alarm. I know it's not impacting it and I could move on. Okay. So we make sure it's extra polished to go out. Uh, we want to make sure we're displaying our best work, but it actually takes a little, not as much time as I think I might've expected when we started to do this more seriously. We've also had times where we might run a simulation live rather than record it and send it out. Hmm. And Maybe because it was an ad hoc request, we've got the development environment working and you're on a meeting and they say, well, what about this? And you say, sure, let me just show you how that alarm would look. Let me trigger it live. But if by recording it and distributing it to the customer that way, A, it means that we know that what's going out has been vetted, uh, that I know I'm not going to have a fire alarm come on halfway through a recording. 
And it also means that on the on the customer side, if there was somebody that wasn't able to make that make that meeting, that they can distribute that to all the parties that that need to have a say. Maybe they're in different offices, maybe they're in different countries, maybe we're talking about different time zones. And so the, I don't know, 11 o'clock meeting wasn't convenient to everybody. By having it recorded, everybody on the team can see the same video. So they're not seeing different versions of it. They're all working from the same presentation. Okay. Is there a sweet spot of complexity? I think you mentioned something about, we don't need like video game level kind of thing. Is it, but there, is there a sweet spot of complexity in a process that between like, if it's really simple, we don't kind of know what it's going to be, but if it's really complex, then I mean, you could spend a lot of time like making it really, really uh, lifelike, but I mean, that's going to be way too. So where is that? Where is that sweet spot between too simple and too complex? Typically we, we do customize it to the project. And so it's why it depends. And what I find is trying to depict it as simply as possible. And so that might mean a matter of if we had a a really, really simple system and it was only working with liquids, then any time that a valve on a tank, the top of the tank, say, opens, have the level go up. Mm. Really, really, it, it it doesn't need to care what's going on. Just it knows a valve is open, simulate the level going up. And if you open the the valve on the bottom of the tank, then the level goes down. But a different system might sometimes have gases connected to the top of that tank. Maybe it's they have nitrogen blanketing, maybe it's compressed air. But in that case, opening the valve at the top of the tank wouldn't have the level perhaps go up. And so now you're into a only slightly more difficult, but a slightly more complicated simulation. If if we've got a system that has only heating, maybe we have electric heaters, maybe we have steam heaters, then we're going to make sure that it responds appropriately for heating. But we don't need to worry about including the simulation logic that we've planned for something that might have cooling. And so by keeping the simulation tailored to sort of only the complexity needed for that project, and this is where the experience from past projects will, will factor in, that then we're also spending time on the process that we're trying to control and not spending an unreasonable amount of time on the simulation itself. If we're nice. fighting in, with the simulation logic, then that's time that might've been better used doing the actual process control as opposed to fighting with the simulation. Gotcha. Where that goes, we're going too simple might be a problem is if you've got something that's Maybe it's not just water, or maybe it's maybe it's something that that dribbles or or trickles, or when you just shutting things off, flow doesn't stop immediately. Then we're potentially going to trigger false alarms in the code, or you have an operator correct you in a meeting and say, "Well, why is the level still changing when the valve is closed?" The simulation needs to act adequately represent the process, otherwise, it's not resulting in the the valuable feedback from the from the users if we're tripping over false alarms then everybody's going to be focused on the false alarms and not the process that we're trying to review and so finding that balance uh we find has has worked pretty well but we're always aware of it so there's a give and take between the people who know what the process is supposed to work and you guys sort of making value judgments based on your experience to say here's the level of 
the granular, you know, the granularity yeah. of the detail that's needed. Correct. Such that we're not wasting a lot of time on stuff that isn't necessary. And we are focusing on the bits that exactly. are necessary. Okay. What do these look like? Are they stick figures? Are they 2D sort of representations? Are they three? I'm, I'm, I've never actually seen one. So they're generally, they're 2D. And so they tend to follow the HMIs that we're working with, mm. uh, tend to follow sort of a flow diagram depiction of what's going on, but it also will have dashboards. And so we might have a gauge or line charts or bar charts that, that show what's going on in the process. And that too is where this becomes valuable because if we can run through, say, a brewing sequence, or we run through a milling sequence and the operator can see what their dashboard or see what the graphics look like and say, oh, well, this level, this level isn't important. Or it would be really helpful if we had this shown up, shown as a graph rather than a just real-time number. Or uh, we're looking for trends, but the thermal treatment process is going to go on for hours. So let's make sure that that trend spans hours rather than 15 minutes. Those type of reviews mean that they sometimes are looking at graphs, sometimes that they're looking at process flow diagrams, and sometimes they're looking at more of a dashboard style view. Okay. So the code that runs the simulation will ultimately become the code that gets put into the I want to say PLC, but distributed yeah. uh, distributed uh, control system or or the HMI, and and so this is the exact same thing. We're just yeah. refining this control underlying control logic to to go into the actual thing, and you can I, that's a, that's amazing. You can validate those those user interface elements yeah. well before an op operator is like, "What the hell is this?" Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, and, and, and basically, oh, we're we're substituting the signals that they would be getting from the field from mm. actual device physical devices. Gotcha. That's what the simulation is, in a sense, replacing while we're doing simulations. The actual process control logic, so the the programming that handles uh, whether you're in step four, whether you're in step five, when this alarm turns on, all of that is unchanged from the final project. And so that's part of the reason why this simulation is worth doing is because we're not going in and to, to force the simulation to happen. We're not going in and having a programmer be a magician behind the scenes hmm. and, and change, okay, we're going to force it into step three and then we're going to force it in. No, if it move, is supposed to move on when it reaches a certain temperature, it's moving on because the simulated temperature is being reached, not because a, a simulator Oh, sorry, a programmer is is forcing something, which gives us that added confidence that we know that the logic has been written properly because it's it's acting on the same criteria just from the simulated source rather than the the field wiring. And I guess you can also simulate different kinds of warning conditions or yes. or out of out of spec sort of is it going to throw a warning if this happens? If it, is it going to throw a warning if that happens? And we forget we didn't even know about that need for a warning that does this and so on and so forth. Yeah. So you can, you can, for example, I don't know, simulate something overheating or simulate something overfilling without ending up with any product actually on the ground and or without anything being at an un unsafe temperature. And they can check that before we ever get to, to a state of commissioning. You still need to do the field testing, 
but it means they have made sure that if that go back to the initial example, if that transfer product, um, if the if the product going from one tank to another isn't being received by the tank that's expecting it, suggesting that we might have a leak somewhere and valuable product is landing on the floor, that's all being tested in simulation before we're dealing with actual valuable products that might be landing on the floor. Okay, and and GUI programming is kind of tricksy. Yeah, uh, surprisingly difficult. Whether you make something a default option and they have to, yeah, you know what I mean, or if you highlight something and then people just eyes just go to it and stuff. Yep, just all kinds of problems can crop up that you didn't even think about. Well, and it's uh, I find one of the times it's really uh, valuable or that I really appreciate the the user feedback, especially is when we might have done something a certain way. And the operator says, yeah, that wasn't intuitive. We're like, okay, we missed it. We thought we, it thought it, we thought it made sense. But then right away, I can fold that feedback back into the process and make it better mm. before it's an actual frustration for somebody. Right. Um, because yeah. they're the ones that are using this day in, day out. They're the ones that are going to say, well, yes, that's, we make sure that we tell our juniors, for example, that if you're putting a button on an HMI, uh, a user interface, and it might be a, an appropriately sized button when they're doing the, the development using a mouse and keyboard. But the operator is going to be using a touch screen and gloves, and that, that needs to be considered. And so uh, they need to make sure that, that these aren't just look pretty for the programmer. These need to be <laughs> functional for the person who's actually using it. Yeah, because if you've got a big glove finger and you've got a bu three buttons all exactly. stacked right next to each other, hitting that right one is going to be a pain in the butt. And, Unless you've got a little stylus seen, or something. Yeah, Sorry. if if you've got safety glasses on and you've got masks on, everybody's seen what what masks and goggles can do with a little bit of fog over the last two years. Let's make these screens as easy for somebody to use. Mm -hmm. Are there are the things that the clients don't understand about this? That they should realize going in, like it's not going to be a video game. It's uh, or it's not going to be hyper specific to their. Are there other things like that 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 they should be aware of? I think the big thing is that um, just this, like every other part of a project, is done in tandem with them, and so the we try and manage expectations. And so if we're if we're presenting a simulation. And for example, we sped something up or slowed something down to illustrate a specific step. That if it's a if it's a thirty six hour uh, mixing process, we're not going to send a thirty six hour video. Nobody needs to see that. Yeah. Uh, so we try and make sure that we're transparent about where something is altered for the sake of simulation. Uh, similarly. If there was something with a bunch of really, really niggly steps or a bunch of things that are happening sort of on top of each other, we might break the simulation out into pieces or slow things down and again, communicate that. And so that, that partnership of if, if we know from them what, if they're particularly concerned with a certain topic, then we can make sure that we highlight that and focus on that. If there's something that they really couldn't care less about, that then we don't need to spend time on that. If, if I'm going to send a review through and nobody cares, then I'm obviously still going to be testing my code and make sure that 
it's it's as as good as I can make it. But if if a reviewer doesn't have time to review, if if a team really isn't interested in a certain certain topic or a certain review, then that's an easy thing to omit from a meeting and, and freeze them up for other other things. So managing expectations is, I think, the big part of it. And because every project's different, because every process is is somewhat different, it can be as much or as little as as somebody's looking for it to be. And part of part of our job is to make sure that we're in that communication from the start to say, here's here's what we're looking for answers from, but what are what are you looking for? Are you looking to leverage these for other other purposes? If I'm just reviewing the process, then I might make sure that the initial process doesn't have any other alarm shown. But if somebody's planning on using this to illustrate in some internal training tool and they mm-hmm. want it to have certain alarms or uh, a breakdown of, okay, when an alarm happens, this is how you clear it, then we need to make sure that we're capturing that in the simulation. If, if somebody's using this for operator training or for somebody's going to write the SOP, and so they want to make sure that they've got all the relevant steps for that SOP shown in the video so that they can make sure nothing's missed. Then if we know, then we can, then we can make sure that that gets included. And I, I remember what I wanted to ask you. How many, how many projects do you guys go through where you, th- I mean, I think of it as we start, you know, you collect all the specifications, you design something, maybe you build it and you deliver it, integrate it into the system and figure that's it, we're done. But yep. how how often is it that six to, you know, for however long time they come back to you, it works great, but could you change or, you know, it's, we need this and that the, just the trail of, you know what I mean, goes on and and this is trying to get as ri- rid of as many of those sort of little changes down the road happen as possible. The little changes down the road typically are going to be found um, at least as you, as you come through commissioning, because if nothing else, they have either the need to move on to, to validation so that they can get to, if we're talking pharma and into submission batches and assessments right. for regulations, right. Yeah. But even even for non-pharma industries, they have to get back into production. Like, yes, we we see projects in that engineering development making changes process, but production is what pays the bills. Production is what these companies do. And so we have to get to back either to production or back to production as smoothly as we can and as quickly as we can reasonably do that. And so at a certain point, changes either get added in or deemed to be not necessary or not sometimes not important enough to warrant doing at a certain point. And so similarly, if if that little change that might not get approved at the end of the process was Mm. brought up at the beginning and can get just included in, in the plan, then we also don't have somebody looking at it going, well all right, that's good enough. We don't have money, schedule, time, budget, whatever left at the end to do that. But hey, so-and-so make a note. We want to make sure we include that next time. Mm. Well, if we caught it early enough, we could have included it this time and next time. Yeah. 
Yeah. And they'll ultimately be happier with it going forward. They're not going to have any lingering. Yeah. God, I wish it did this without we forgot or whatever. Yeah. Or, they don't or, or, or it's not worth it. at this point going back and adding it. Yeah. And then having to revalidate the whole system yeah. or the, the relevant section of the yeah. system. Gotcha. So they're all different, but if we can do something as part of this process to have it run a little bit smoother and have the end result be a, at least a little bit better, we'd like to be able to do that. Is this something that you guys developed in-house? Is this third-party software? Are there no, a bunch of is... companies that do this? I don't I My understanding is a number of companies do this. Uh, we, we've gone the route of this is the tact we've taken with it is we're talking in, in-house work and development because we've found that we're, we're doing this fairly custom for, for the needs of the project and the process that, we, that we're in a case-by-case basis. There are, there are simulation packages out there, but for what we're doing and for what our customers are working with right now, we found this to be the smoothest and most economical way to, to slot them into to the projects and processes that we're working with. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I think of, again, FEA, CFD, right? There's ANSYS, there's Nastran, there's all these different, exactly. you know what I mean? And those those companies know that, but you guys developed this software in-house, you know, uh, you know, brewery or, or, or biosciences or something like that, you know, though, you've developed it, you've done a, a bunch of these projects, you've made software that really fits those particular industries well, exactly. and you don't have to, okay. Is there anything else that you think is important that we didn't get to or I didn't know to ask or? No, I think the big part is that this this comes down to us being able to leverage our knowledge of automation and, and controlling processes, but it's only as good as the the partners that we work with. This That if our customers are the ones that know their processes best, they're the ones that are going to look at this and say, yeah, no, that's not right. It doesn't work like that. and this none of this is ever one-sided. It's never a, a unidirectional uh, process that they're they they know what it needs to be in the end, and we're we're just part of making that that possible. How would somebody get in touch with it? if a listener was curious about pursuing this farther? Where would they? How would they get in touch with? Is it Actium uh, Toronto or Actium Canada? What's the? We have we have a Toronto office, but okay. we are part of a wider network. And so uh, you can you can find us in Toronto. Uh, you can also find us on the web. You can find us on LinkedIn. And anybody anybody is definitely encouraged to to reach out to us through through any of those options. Okay. And you guys do work across Canada in yep. oil and across gas, Canada. pharmaceutical. Uh, no, yeah, no, no. uh, oil and gas. It's typically we've done mainly downstream packaging, okay. blending, and that type of thing consumer products, food and beverage, material handling, done some robotics, vision, uh, and then obviously pharma and life sciences. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you again, Catherine. I appreciate you taking the time with me. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out the Design Engineering Podcast's other episodes at www.design-engineering.com slash podcasts, or subscribe to the podcast via the major streaming services, including Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. This episode was sponsored by IGUS Canada. Gantry robots by IGUS provide rapid ROI. 
cost up to 40% less than traditional solutions and can be programmed with the company's free robot control software. Igus gantries are uniquely equipped with self-lubricating plastic liners for clean, quiet, lightweight, corrosion-free, and maintenance-free operation. The company offers unparalleled support for your application design process with free online tools. For more information, visit igus.ca. That's igus.ca.